Forward and Preface to J.S. Bach. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen Norland. J.S. Bach by Albert Schweitzer. Translated by Ernest Newman. Translators Forward. Within the last few years, Bach research has made a notable advance. Among the books that have contributed to this progress, that of Dr. Albert Schweitzer takes a leading place. It is equally valuable on the aesthetic and the practical sides. Its convincing demonstration of the pictorial bent of Bach's mind must necessarily lead to a reconsideration not only of the older view of Bach as a mainly abstract musician, but of the aesthetics of music in general. While the chapters on the right manner of performing Bach's works throw many a new light on this obscure subject. Most of all are correct ideas on this latter point invaluable now, when Bach is beginning, as one hopes, to win his due popularity among not only musicians, but music lovers as a whole. The present translation has been made from the German version of Dr. Schweitzer's book, 1908, which is itself a greatly expanded version of a French original published in 1905. The text, however, has been largely altered and added to at Dr. Schweitzer's request. The English edition is thus fuller and more correct even than the German. Like most other translators, I have found it convenient and indeed necessary to preserve the word clavier to cover all the 17th and 18th century instruments, the harpsichord, clavichord, clavicembalo, etc., of the type now represented by the pianoforte. For the benefit of the English reader, I have given all the references to Spitta's Life of Bach in the corresponding pages of the English edition of that book, published by Messrs. Novello and Company. The index to the German original of Dr. Schweitzer's book being hardly adequate, I have prepared a fuller one of my own, which I hope will increase the usefulness of the volumes. Ernest Newman. Preface to the German Edition, 1908 in the autumn of 1893, a young Alsatian presented himself to me, and asked if he could play something on the organ to me. Play what? I asked. Bach, of course, was his reply. In the following years, he returned regularly for longer or shorter periods, in order to habilitate himself, as they used to say in Bach's day, in organ playing under my guidance. One day, in 1899, when we were going through the chorale preludes, I confess to him that a good deal in these compositions was enigmatic to me. Bach's musical logic in the preludes and fugues, I said, is quite simple and clear, but it becomes cloudy as soon as he takes up a chorale melody. Why these sometimes almost excessively abrupt antitheses of feeling? Why does he add contrapuntal motives to a chorale melody that have often no relation to the mood of the melody? Why all these incomprehensible things in the plan and the working out of these fantasias? The more I study them, the less I understand them. Naturally, said my pupil, many things in the chorales must seem obscure to you for the reason that they are only explicable by the texts pertaining to them. I showed him the movements that had puzzled me the most. He translated the poems into French for me from memory. The mysteries were all solved. During the next few afternoons, we played through the whole of the chorale preludes, while Schweitzer, for he was the pupil, explained them to me, one after the other, I made the acquaintance of a Bach of whose existence I had previously had only the dimmest suspicion. 
in a flash it became clear to me that the cantor of st thomas's was much more than an incomparable contrapuntist to whom i had formerly looked up as one gazes up at a colossal statue and that his work exhibits an unparalleled desire and capacity for expressing poetic ideas and for bringing word and tone into unity i asked schweitzer to write a little essay upon the chorale preludes for the benefit of french organists and at the same time to enlighten us as to the nature of the german chorale and the german church music of Bach's epoch as we knew too little of them to enter thoroughly into the spirit of the cantor's music he set to work at this a few months afterwards he wrote to me that it was necessary to include the cantatas and passions in his essay since the vocal works explained the chorale works and vice versa your essay i replied will simply be so much the more valuable to us the remarks upon the chorale and the church service in box time grew into an epitome of the history of protestant church music the observations upon the nature of box musical expression became a chapter upon box tone speech a short literary portrait of the composer was seen to be desirable then there came chapters on the practical performance of box works and so the essay upon the chorale preludes grew in the space of six years into a complete book upon bach the author sent me each chapter as it was written when i wrote a preface to the book in venice on the twentieth of october nineteen o four it was with the joyous feeling that the work would open up for us a free road to bach now as i sketch the preface to the german edition i cannot rid myself of a certain feeling of embarrassment is it not presumption for me a frenchman to draw the attention of germans to a work upon bach i may partly plead in excuse that in a limited sense i am the joint originator of the book it was at my request that schweitzer undertook the work it was i who induced him to persevere with it when the difficulties of the undertaking increased and began to look at times almost insurmountable i believe therefore that it is not only my right but my duty to prepare the way for this book in germany if that be necessary since it seems to belong to a special category in the german literature of the arts i rank it among the works the significance of which consists in the fact that while they are founded on a thorough professional knowledge they treat their subject from the standpoint not of a single art but of art and science in general schweitzer is a philosopher through and through as is shown by his work on kant at the same time he is a theologian with a profound historical faculty as may be seen from his well-known and comprehensive studies in the life of jesus and in the literature of that subject moreover he is an exceptionally good organist one of the most skillful and experienced players that any conductor could desire to have at the organ during the performance of a bach cantata or passion the not unreasonable complaint is sometimes heard that our aestheticians are so seldom executive artists also and therefore cannot view things from the standpoint of the musician there is no community of feeling between the philosophy of art and creative and executive art for this reason works by practical men who are at the same time conversant with philosophical aesthetic are always an event in the literature of music to read schweitzer's bach is not only to get to know the composer and his work but to penetrate also into the essence of music in general the art per se it is a book with horizons who could have supposed that a study of the great master of the Zopf epoch would throw a light on the modern, even the most modern, problems of music, as is done in the three chapters, poetic and pictorial music, word and tone in Bach, and Bach's musical language. 
with which Schweitzer prefaces his discussion of the cantatas and the passions. An introductory note by a Frenchman to a German book on Bach may further show that we on this side of the Vosges have also some rights in the composer. We have won them by the veneration we have felt for him. Our Bach worship does not date from yesterday. For a generation now, our organists have been almost exclusively occupied with Bach. He is the master who has revealed afresh to us the true art of the sacred instrument. People speak of a new French organ school. It is founded on Bach. It was a curious dispensation of providence that at the very time we were being led to Bach by the Belgian Lemons, who had become acquainted with the classical organ art through old Hess of Breslau, there arose an organ builder after Bach's own heart, who gave us organs that made us the envy of Bach enthusiasts in every land. Cavallé-Cole's instruments have revealed to us the beauty of the master's preludes and fugues. With these organs, Bach has made his entry into our cathedrals and churches. If he has not as yet taken his due place in our public concert life, that is to be accounted for on purely external grounds. Our public is enthusiastic for Bach, our singers and instrumentalists not less so. I myself have had proof of this during my ten years' conductorship of the Concordia, when we performed many cantatas, the Magnificat and the St. Matthew Passion. There are German artists whose works we admire, while at the same time we know that they will never be domesticated among us. When we try to appropriate them to ourselves, we feel that a certain something remains that, how shall I say it, does not come to us from the soul. We never have this feeling with Bach. There seem to be bonds of affinity between his art and ours. The correctness of this feeling is confirmed by the interest and the admiration that Bach himself evinced for contemporary French art. What he thought of Couperin and the others is shown by the copies that have come down to us in his handwriting and that of his pupils. His first biographer, Forkel, whose information came from Bach's own sons, expressly says that the composer thought a great deal of the old French organists, whose works have now at last been rescued from oblivion. And Zelter himself, the old Bach enthusiast and grumbler, rather wrathfully proves to his friend Goethe that his idol did not escape the influence of the French, especially of Couperin. His works seem to Zelter to be covered with a kind of elegant tinsel that must be attributed to foreign art. He would have liked to skim it off and show the true German Bach underneath. The present-day German admirers of Bach do not share Zelter's view of the tinsel. The finish, the elegance, and the formal charm of Bach's work do not strike them as a disavowal of the German spirit. We, however, who aim at form and plastic clearness in every art, find ourselves again in Bach. And when Schweitzer, without being at all one-sided, again and again insists upon the pictorial as the fundamental tendency in Bach's music, he only makes it clear to us what it is that attracts us to it. The time will come when Bach will be one of the most popular of composers in France, not merely because we can discover in him traces of French influence and of our own sense of form, but because Bach is on the whole the most universal of artists. What speaks through his works is pure religious emotion, and this is one and the same in all men, in spite of the national and religious partitions in which we are born and bred. It is the emotion of the infinite and the exalted, 
for which words are always an inadequate expression and that can find proper utterance only in art for mebach is the greatest of preachers his cantatas and passions tune the soul to a state in which we can grasp the truth and oneness of things and rise above everything that is paltry everything that divides us by thus conquering artistic and religious mankind bach fulfills a mission to our time which will never rise above the barriers that the past has erected unless the great souls of the past come to its aid we are made one by what we admire in common revere in common comprehend in common paris twentieth october nineteen o seven charles marie vidor end of preface and forward Recording by Kathleen Norland.